Nights in hospitals are much longer than days. Edward Exeter had discovered this truth during his first term at Fallow, when the unfamiliar diseases of England had made him a frequent patient in the San. He rediscovered it in Albert Memorial. A nurse came around with a light, checking on people. Where am I? he asked. She told him. What happened? You had an accident. Do you want another needle? No, I'm all right. He did not like the silent music the drugs brought. Try to sleep, she said, and went away. Trouble was, he seemed to have been sleeping for weeks. The shock was wearing off, he decided. His leg lashed him with a sickening beat of pain. He was stiff with staying in the same position so long. He kept trying to remember, and when he did remember, he didn't want to. His recollections were very patchy, and most of them must be nightmares. When he did sleep, he was tormented by those same nightmares. He would wake up in a state of shivering funk, soaked with sweat, and remembered nothing of what had so frightened him. For the first time, he began to wonder what on earth he had done to himself. Not playing rugby at this time of year. Train accident? There was a bandage around his head, and his leg was in splints. Yet the strangest dream that came in that endless night was amazingly sharp and memorable, so that in the morning he was to wonder whether it had really been a dream at all. Light was shining in the door, and the room was a mass of confusing shadows. This time he seemed to have just wakened naturally, not frightened. His leg throbbed with a regular pulse that seemed to go all the way through him. He studied the ropes holding it up, and then turned his head on the pillow. There was a window there with no curtains, and the sky outside was black. He rolled his head over to the other side to look up at the man standing there. "'Behold the limpid orbs,' the man said, "'reflecting the sense within, the very turning of the soul. Pretty then, this maiming of thy shin, it does not pain thee all much.' Edward said, "'It's not too bad, sir.' "'It wasn't really.' To dissemble thus becomes thee more than honesty. The visitor was an odd little man, quite old, with a fuzz of silver curls and a wrinkled, puckish face, clean-shaven. He was stooped, so his face stuck out in front of him. His overcoat had a very old-fashioned astrakhan collar and seemed slightly too large for him. He was holding an equally antique beaver hat in one hand and a walking stick with a silver handle in the other. We have not come into acquaintance before times, although ink in veritable tides has flowed between us. I am your worship's servant, Jonathan Oldcastle. He bowed, clutching the topper to his heart. Mr. Oldcastle, Edward said, you're, you're not what I expected, sir. In the way of dreams, Mr. Oldcastle's appearance seemed perfectly acceptable for an officer in His Majesty's colonial office, yet none of the letters he had written to Edward in the past two years had read like Mosley Minor's atrocious efforts to extemporize Shakespeare. The little man chuckled, beaming. I feign perfect attainments beyond expectation. This council needs be consummated with dispatch. Pray you, Master Exeter, being curt and speedy in response, advise me what befell, what savage circumstance contrived this havoc upon thy person and thy fortunes, 
Discover to me the monument of thy memory that we may invent what absences that Dickens may have wiped thereof. He had a broad accent, which Edward could not place, and his speech would certainly have been unintelligible had this not all been a dream.